Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church. It's so good to be with you in the house of God this morning as we worship the Lord together. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it together as we worship in Jesus' name this morning. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to each of you and touch us with a fresh anointing from on high that we can receive every day. All we got to do is ask for it and be ready to receive God's power in our lives. And he gives it to us freely and liberally anytime we ask of him. Amen. Um, before we get started, I want to welcome all of our graduates this morning. And we appreciate you and love you. And we support you. And we are praying for you for your next endeavor in life, uh, whether that may be. Um, this is some time for decisions, um, and so we celebrate your, your um, advancement in higher education with you today. Um, don't forget about the lunch after immediately following the service. You don't have to go anywhere. I'll say amen, and then we'll begin our, our time together to celebrate the graduates. Before we begin our worship today, I'm going to uh, present the graduates this morning with Bibles, and I'm going to ask Kevin uh, if he wouldn't mind to assist, so I don't have to run up and down these stairs and get this um, microphone cord, um, trip over it. So when, you, when I call your name, if you please come forward, Kevin Allman. We appreciate you, Kevin. Amanda Dominic. Emma Gregg. Bailey McGinty. I'm going to ask all the graduates to come forward one more time. Y'all come stand up so we can look at you. Y'all turn that way. Let's give Emma and Bailey and, and um, Kevin and Amanda a, a round of applause for their accomplishments this morning. I know Amanda couldn't be with us this morning because she got, she got called into work. <laughs> Thank you so much. Y'all can be seated. Let us stand as we join this morning in the confession of our Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. Let us join together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, first unsung hymn this morning is hymn number 467 in our hymnal, and we're going to listen and meditate on the words in the hymn and the melody as Wesley plays for us this morning, Trust and Obey. Anyone have any prayer requests lift up at this time for our time of prayer together this morning? Let us. Let us pray together.
Almighty and everlasting God, who Jesus taught us to call Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace this morning through his precious blood, and we come to stand boldly in your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that you welcome us with open arms, and you said you would no wise, in no wise cast us out, that you receive us as your children, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And this morning we come to join in with the chorus of heaven as we sing your praises on this earth, and we join in all of all creation. Lord, if we listen, we can hear the sky and the clouds praise you. We can hear the green grass praise you. We can hear the trees and the flowers give you praise. Even in the night sky, if we listen, we can hear the sky praise you, the night sky. We can hear the praises sung by the moon and the stars as the universe sings praise to its creator. And so this morning in worship, we gather here to worship you with our lips of praise. We pray, Lord, that you'd fill this sanctuary with your Holy Spirit and power and minister to us who are weak and weary, drained from this life. We ask that you would move upon our hearts in a mighty way and replace the hopelessness with hope. Replace the despair with joy. And replace the sadness with happiness like only you can. Help us to mount upon wings of eagles, Lord, when we're tired and weary so that we can soar in the higher places that you have set aside for us. Help us to walk in the places you have prepared for us as you send angels out ahead of us to make the path straight. Help us to walk in the paths of your righteousness for your name's sake. And Lord, we thank you that you have our lives tattooed on your hand, on your right hand. Lord, just lead us and direct us, we pray. We cannot find life without you, for you are our sustenance and our source of all things. Breathe on us, O breath of God, and inspire us. Give us vision and help us in this life to live for you. Help us to walk in the abundant life that Jesus has given us. He's come to bring us life. Help us to live it more abundantly. We thank you for the opportunity to pray for prayer this morning. And we approach your throne to bring our needs, the needs of this church, your church, before you today. We ask, Lord, that you would be with those who are in need of prayer, those who are struggling, those who are sick, those who need comfort, those who need compassion and love, and those who need peace that passes all understanding. We ask, Lord, that your peace would bless our country from sea to shining sea and bring us together as a people and as a nation. We ask, Lord, that you would, as we pray on behalf of others this morning, that you would be with these persons as we lift their names up before your throne today. We ask you to be with Carolyn Cook, Ask to be with Barbara Abercrombie. Ask to be with Charlotte Dominique. 
We ask you to be with Sharon and Bob and Joanne, and we have unspoken. We ask you to be with Pat today. An unspoken prayer request we lift up to you this morning as well. We ask, Lord, that you minister to our needs through your riches and glory. We celebrate this service, and we give you honor and glory and praise. And now we ask, dear Father, that you would lead all of the disciples of Christ to pray together this prayer. He taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, it's children's time, part of our worship service, and Kevin this morning has got our children's time. So Kevin, would you come and share what God has placed on you for our children's time today? I certainly will, John. Thank you. Um, I hope you don't mind. I'm going I'm to stay back here because this is where I've got my notes, i.e. my computer. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, so, so, boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, um, our, our Sunday school message today is, is, is called Trusting in God. And I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter 22, verse through 8. And so, uh, Genesis 22, chapter... Chapter 22, verse 8 says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So again, like I said, the, uh, our, our message for the day is called Trusting in God. So, so this is for the, the, the boys and girls that are listening with us and, of course, here with us. And, uh, and for everyone here, too. I want you to, to look at the uh, at at the people that are around you, uh, whether it be your mom and dads or your significant other or your grandparents or whatever the case may be, and I want you to look at them, and I want you to ask yourself, why do I trust that person, and who do I who do I trust, and why do I trust that person? So look at those people and think about that for a minute. Who do you trust, and why do you trust them? Okay. So today's Bible lesson. Uh, is obviously about Abraham and Isaac, and it's all about trust. Um, so, so Abraham was Isaac's father, and Abraham and his wife Sarah were almost a hundred year years old when Isaac was born. If you can believe that, and uh, and God told Abraham that he was going to have lots of grandchildren and great grandchildren through his son Isaac. So one day. God spoke to Abraham and told him to take Isaac up on the mountain and give God the thing that he loved more than anything. Um, so, so Abraham then took Isaac and they started up the mountain. And on the third day, Abraham told Isaac that they were going to build an altar and offer a sacrifice to God. Isaac said to his fire, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the offering? So then Abraham answered Isaac and he said, God will provide the lamb. So they kept walking until they arrived at the place where God had told them to go. Then Abraham built an altar he arranged that he had arranged the wood on. Abraham was ready to give God the thing he loved the most. And then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So Abraham took the ram and offered it as a sacrifice to God. 
And so Abraham had faith in God and trusted him completely. And God provided the lamb just as Abraham had told Isaac that he would. So when he put his trust in God, he will always provide. So, so remember, remember that to everyone is that if we put our trust in God, God will always provide for us. So let us pray. Dear God in heaven, help us, like Abraham, trust you fully and have faith that you will provide. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so just to let you all know, that was, uh, that was uh, uh, off of a site called Sermon for Kids. It's a really awesome site that uh, gives daily, daily uh, lessons for kids, and I just wanted to call that out just for copyright purposes. So sermonforkids.com is a really awesome website, and I encourage you to go check it out. Thank you, John. Thank you, Kevin. I did it again, folks. I forgot to welcome our streaming audience. <laughs> See, you get used to do it for three, three months, and then you start in-person worship service, and you forget to welcome them. But we, we're glad to have all of our virtual congregation again worshiping with us um, this morning. Our next hymn, our next unsung hymn this morning is number 127, and our hymnal is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, and we're going to remain seated as we listen and meditate on the words as Wesley plays for us, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Let us stand together this morning for the reading of God's Word. Today I'm reading from Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Revelation chapter 5, 
And I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning, Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And please remain standing for the doxology, although we will not be singing it. Hear the word of God, Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or take a look at it. So I wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. seated. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and the power it has to change our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us and you give us a now word for our lives today. And we pray that you speak to it through your word now and give us ears to hear and open hearts to receive what you would say to us through Teach us and reveal your truth to us this morning, we pray. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers alone, but help us to stand on your promises. We give you thanks as we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, uh, my, my sermon title is... It's time to open the seals. It's time to open the seals. Today I'm, I'm preaching about the great seal that's hanging on the wall. It's hanging on the wall for all time. I'm preaching this morning about the Lamb God and the Lion God that has seven eyes and seven horns that John sees in his vision of the last days and how the last days will take place and how they will unfold. It was revealed to him in a vision when he was on the island of Patmos. And as he was there, he saw this vision of heaven, a glorious vision it was of God sitting on the throne, having this scroll in hand that had seven seals upon it. 
One thing that I learned is I've studied Revelation. You see heaven portrayed for us. You ever know want to look, look what heaven looks like? You read Revelation. And one thing that I realized about Revelation that I didn't realize before is that the throne of God is in the very center of heaven. It's not like this, I'm up here and you're back there, but the throne of God, as John saw it, is in the very center of heaven, and everything evolves around it. That's why Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst or I will be in the center of them. And when Jesus appeared to disciples after the resurrection, when he walked through the walls, now get this feet. The Word of God tells us that he stood in their midst, which means not only did he walk through the walls, but he stood, in, he stood in the center of them when they were gathered in that upper room. Imagine that, that you're having a meeting, and, and, and in the center of that meeting, Jesus just walks out of thin air. So we see here in the throne of God, it's in the center of heaven, and everything else evolves around that throne. A lot of people these days ask, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the time for Christ's return? It seems like we are because, you know, the coronavirus rate is, is, is increasing. There are locusts swarming, and there's a dust storm on the horizon. I was out watching the news last night, and there's this dust storm that's made it to America from Sahara Desert. And never had that happen before in the history of America. And it's coming here, they said on the news, it's coming to the southeast tonight. You'll see it tonight, so don't, don't forget to have your mask on if you go outside. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, before the the end came, the earth would go through what's a period that he called the period of travail or great sorrows. And he linked this to a woman giving birth, the labor pains that a woman endures before she gives birth. Jesus said the earth would go through that. There'll be a time of sorrows. The earth would be in a great time of travail. These things would happen, earthquakes and tornadoes and tidal waves and pandemics. He said that's going to be, ha that's going to happen. Strap your, uh, Fashion your seatbelts, because he said that's going only going to get worse. Maybe we're living in the day of sorrows now, because Jesus didn't specify how long that would last. He didn't say it would last to this time, or last to that day, or last to that year. He said it was going to happen. I believe we're in that time now. But he did say that no one in heaven, or on the earth, or under the earth, or the angels, or himself, knew when the hour of the end would come. Only the Father knew the time and the seasons. This morning, even though we're living in a time of travail as the world goes through this birth pains and the time of sorrow, the great seal is still hanging on the wall in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about the great seal of our country or the great seal of the president or the seal of the Supreme Court of the U.S. of A., now I'm talking about the great seal that's on the wall of heaven right now. God's seal. God's seal. His promise to human beings, to us. It's the great seal of the Lamb and of the Lion. And while God is still holding that scroll, the end is not yet begun. So we can look to Revelation and see the end is not here because God is still holding on to that throne, uh, still holding on to the scroll. He's still sitting on his throne. 
And while he still holds on to that scroll, the tribulation period has not yet begun. You see, when the tribulation period begins is when God gives that scroll over to the lion. When the seals are broken, it has seven seals. And when the first four of those seals are open, the tribulation period begins. The first seals are the four riders of the apocalypse. There's the, rep, the, rep, the, revel, the revelation of the Antichrist, war, famine, and death. Before the tribulation period begins, the scroll has to be opened and the seals had to be broken. In our text this morning, we come to that point. We have a ringside seat. We have an unveiling of the events that bring about the end of the world with the scroll being opened. No one in heaven, there's a call. There's a call throughout heaven. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone good enough to come forward and open this scroll and take it out of the hand of God and break loose these seals? Is anybody good enough in heaven? And so there's kind of a lull for a few minutes. And nobody comes forward. And John weeps because there's nobody worthy to take this scroll out of God's hands to open it. Nobody is able to come forward and to pronounce the God's wrath and judgment upon the world. Because that's what happens, folks, when, this seal, when these seals are opened and the scroll is unfurled. It begins the tribulation period and the wrath of God is poured out on the world. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says the Lamb steps forward, who is now the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He steps forward and God gives him that scroll and he takes the scroll and he sits on the throne of God. And when he does, an angelic choir strikes up. 24, the 24 elders, they cast down the, their, their crowns at his feet and they begin to praise him. And heaven is all filled with excitement. Now, why is he heaven all, all exciting? Why is heaven so excited? Why there, is there such celebration? Because the end is near. Now the question is, why is the lamb hiding in the background? Why does he show up at the last minute? Why does he hang back out of sight? Why does it take so long for him to come forward? Why does he just step up and say, I'm here? I'll tell you about that in a minute. Everybody ex is excited in heaven. The celebration begin, breaks out. Praise begins to erupt throughout heaven because the Lamb is worthy. He is worthy to open up the scroll. And as he sits on the throne of God and as he opens up the, the seven seals and unfurls that scroll, only one thing is clear. 
the tribulation period is about to begin. Judgment and wrath are about to be poured out upon this world with fury. We think we got it bad today. Nothing can compare to the tribulation period. You see, when the, the lamb sits on the throne, he becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he comes to dispense judgment upon the world. The period of grace is over. You see, God, in writing Revelation, he has everything in order, everything planned out. God knows exactly what God is going to do in the end times. And God has forewarned us and given us revelation for us to study. And he, he's written it in symbolic, in symbolic form. So those of us that really want to study it will study the symbols and find out what God is trying to say. Other people will just dismiss it. So oh, that's just a fairy tale. It's a short story. It's fictional. It's not real. See, God is not going to do anything out of order as it's already written down in Revelation. The seal judgments are, not going to be, are always going to come first. The trumpet judgments are going to follow, and then there's going to be the seven bowl judgments. The trumpet judgments are not going to precede the bowl judgments, and the seal judgments are not going to precede the trumpet judgments. The seven seal judgments will be the start of the beginning of the tribulation period. Everything will follow that order that God has already established. The cart will not come before the horse. Once the, the scroll is taken from the hands of God, the countdown has begun. There's no diverting it, no changing it, no avoiding it. It's going to happen. In the Old Testament, owning lamb was important to the Israelites as it is for us. They would leave their piece of property in their family name and they would pass it on down to their ancestors as an inheritance. Like with many things, we get in debt. And in Israel, property would be seized because the person couldn't pay the debt that was owed on it. That person was taken and put into prison until the debt could be paid. And the land was seized by the creditor until it could be paid by the person that owed the debt. In Jeremiah 32, God allows the relatives, any relative, any kinsman, to pay the debt for the person that owed the money, any family member. And so Jeremiah and Jeremiah 32 he has such an occurrence. His cousin loses his family property in debt to a creditor, and he's thrown in prison. And God tells him to go and buy the land for his cousin. And so he goes down to the prison, and he gets the information from his cousin, and Jeremiah does what God tells him to do, and he goes and buys the land for his cousin because he's related. He has the right. He's the kinsman. And so Jeremiah goes and he pays the debt. He gets the bill of sale and he goes down to the public, um, he called it the courthouse. There were two scrolls that contained the deed to the property. One was held in the courthouse. The other was held in the temple. 
the priest, the high priest, held the deed until it was paid in full because debt was debt had to be paid in full and so the priest held on to that deed and it was sealed with seven seals so jeremiah first goes to the courthouse he shows the he shows the tax people that it's the land has been paid for he's got a bill of sale and so they hand over him to him the first deed to the property and then he goes to the high priest and he shows the high priest that he's not only got the deed to the property from the courthouse, but he's got the bill of sale from the creditor saying it's paid in full. And the priest takes the scroll that has the seven seals and opens them and he gives the deed over to Jeremiah. Paid in full. The land is back in the family's hands. See, right now, God has the deed to the world in his right hand, sitting on the throne, sealed with seven seals. You see, God gave that deed to Adam when he created him because he created Adam in the likeness and image of God, and Adam had no sin. And so God gives Adam the deed to the world, and he says to Adam, go and take dominion of the world. I'm giving you charge over the world. You're my representative. You're the king of the world. But, it, but we all know what happened. We know all the end of the story. Adam succumbed to sin, and so he was disqualified for being God's representative. And through his disqualification, the world now belonged to Satan. Jesus said that the Satan is the God of this world. And when Jesus was tempted of the devil, the last temptation, Jesus was taken into the wilderness and, and the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant and said, if you worship me, all this can be yours. Now, why did the devil do that? Because he had the power to do it, to offer the kingdoms of the world. And Je Jesus said, makes an interesting statement in Luke 19.10. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and say which was lost. Which was lost. He doesn't say who was lost, but he says what was lost. See, Jesus is referring to the deed that God has in his hand that Adam lost over to the devil. See, Jesus came to get that back, to get the world back and all that's in it, people for God. So Jesus on the cross, he came with his blood to purchase and pay the debt that was owed because of sin. See, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He came to pay the price for us. And he offered his life, the Bible says, as a ransom for many. It was a huge sin debt. Not even a trillion dollars could pay. The debt demanded sacrifice. It demanded a blood offering. It demanded the blood of Adam. In order for the debt to be released, it had to be perfect, righteous, and holy. It had to be a selfless offering on the altar of God in order for it to be paid in full and released. You see, Jesus paid it all. He was holy, perfect, and righteous. And he was also God and man together as one. Jesus' blood offered 
all the law's requirements. And Jesus wrote on our bill, paid in full. There's a time coming that Jesus will no longer be that lamb that was pushed around at the crucifixion, that was spat on and put on a cross. No, the Bible says that God exalted him. He's not going to come back as a carpenter's son no more. The Bible says that God exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of all. And why did God do this? Because of Jesus' obedience even to the death of the cross, that God exalted him, that when he comes back again, folks, he's going to be the lion sitting on the throne, and he's going to rule and judge the nations with an iron scepter. And every tongue and every, con every tongue and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord of all. I believe the reason why there was kind of a lull in heaven for a moment, I believe the reason why Jesus just didn't step up front first wasn't because he was scared of the limelight. I believe Jesus hung back just for a little bit for a few moments because he knew that when he walked out and took that scroll from God he knew when he sat down on the throne to dispense judgment by opening that throne uh, open up that scroll he knew judgment would come and so Jesus hung back just for a few minutes so those people on the earth that needed to get right with him and make a commitment to him and ask him to come, ask them to come into his life as Savior could have a little more time. Because once Jesus sits on the throne, folks, the revelation is clear. It's going to be the lion that sits on the throne that judges the world. We're going to appear before him. And when he takes possession of the scroll, there's no stopping the tribulation period. It will last seven years, the Bible says, before it's completed. The sun will stop signing, the seas will boil, the rivers will turn to blood, the stars will fall from the sky, earthquakes and tidal waves will ravish the surface of this planet. And the tribulation period, once it's unleashed, it will resemble something that this world has never seen. But the good news is, if there's any good news, the good news is God has still got his, his holding on to that scroll today. Before God sent the flood to the world, he made sure that Noah and his family was on the ark. And the Bible says that God closed the door and then it rained. Before God sent judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, God made sure Lot and his family were out into safety before the judgment began. Before the angel of death threw out, flew out the countryside in Egypt to bring death to the firstborn, God told Moses to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And when the angel of death saw it, he passed over. Before the seals are opened and before the judgment begins at the tribulation period, the good news is, and we can rejoice and be glad, 
before that happens, God is going to call all of us into his presence in the event that's called the rapture. And when the rapture takes place, we'll be right in heaven celebrating his presence and being with him. And we'll be sitting right there and we'll see the whole thing transpire. We'll see the lamb become the lion and take that scroll from the hand of God. We'll see the tribulation period begin on the earth below. But the good news this morning is before all happens, we'll be right there in his presence because he loves us. And one day before that time happens, he'll call us home and we'll be with him for an ever and ever and ever. Before the seals are ever broken, we'll be right there in his presence. That's good news to know today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. stand together for the benediction and for the blessing this, this morning. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're on the throne holding that scroll with the seven seeds. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you're going to call us home to escape the wrath to come. All we got to do is make a commitment to Jesus Christ and invite him to come in our lives and live with him, live for him in word and in deed. Bless everyone here today. Bless each family, each home. Bless each person with peace. We rebuke I rebuke any hindering spirit from this place so that your spirit can come and move. We're so thankful for all of our graduates today. Lord, we just ask you to just bless them and we congratulate them and support them in their next endeavor. May they feel the prayers of their church and church family and the family of God going with them. Now we thank you for this time that we're about to share around your table. Bless it. This food, we thank you for the hands that prepared it for us. Bless it now to the nursing of our bodies. In Christ's name we pray together. And the, and the people of God said, Amen.